0: me to the book of Luke, Luke, chapter 15. I was um, in here yesterday morning praying and um, I felt the presence of the Lord so very strongly and um, that Presentation of his heart to me continued throughout the day yesterday and through the early morning hours of this morning, and it was it was a different kind of a um, an outpouring from him than what I normally am used to, uh, particularly on a, on a weekend, because um, for decades now. When it rolls into Saturday, I am going before the Lord to hear from Him, but I know specifically I'm getting myself before Him to be able to bring whatever measure of um, understanding from His Scripture that He once brought before the network, before our saints' family. And um, so that's normally my perspective, but throughout... um, throughout those hours I kept feeling increasingly kind of mixed signals which were kind of odd for me um, in fact at one point I thought Lord do you not even do you not want me to speak tomorrow in light of what I'm going to be sharing with you kind of like a fast at the beginning of this um, at the beginning of this second half of the year of grace, and um, I felt, to some degree, that was a measure of what he was impressing upon me, in conjunction with what we're going to share this morning. So, I'm I'm not going to speak. Of course, you should know not to believe this verbatim, but I'm not going to speak very long. But we're gonna we're gonna do something at the end of this. Um, Of this word that is in response to something that God truly put in my heart for this house and um, for those that are laboring together as sons of the Heavenly Father. Uh, Here in Luke 15 you have this um, parable of what has been called the parable of the prodigal. Now You don't find that word prodigal here in the original. Um, That's something that we attach to this story because of what the younger son did. And sometimes people would say that it being called the prodigal is some kind of derogatory term, and that's not the case. Any more than we would call some seven-year-old young lady who had a violin who could play like a virtuoso we call them a prodigy we we don't call them a prodigy because that's some derogatory term it just means somebody that's been gifted and somebody that's been given opportunity to manifest that gifting and that's what this story is about Um, we we give names to um, to different stories in in the scripture and a lot of that has to do with uh, the headings that are found throughout some Bibles, and we appreciate those. It's kind of, it reminds me of the well-known story about when we were in France and uh, uh, Monica was teaching and she was talking about the Great Commission, and Luke said he couldn't translate that. Well, Great Commission is not in the scripture, it's what we call, it's what we call do unto others. and. Um, and the reason he couldn't translate it was that that means something totally different in France. <laughs> it, it's, what you, it's what you ask a little child when they come out of the bathroom if they finish their business. And so it was really a funny time because uh, we were talking about the Great Commission and Luke, and for all the French people that meant something entirely different. And he said, I cannot translate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, the prodigal story is not, um, is, it, it's not, we call it that. And And when we look at what is said here, this passage has been preached on from so many different angles. I mean, so many different angles. You could preach on, I don't, well, you could preach on multiple messages that almost don't sound... Like one another, from this one passage. And of course, today, if you're reading more modernist commentaries, it's funny how any kind of aberrant behavior or any kind of thing that is mentioned that um, is uh, is is a wayward action. Today, modernist translators are saying, this is just an opportunity to love those people. And, and they don't ever look at it as being saying, you know, these folks used to do this. These folks used to be harlots. These folks used to be drunkards. These folks used, uh, we, uh, but uh, now they've come out of that and they're living a right lifestyle. That's not what's being said today. I mean, if you see any kind of aberration uh, that's listed in the Bible that God deals with. Uh, we're supposed to just look at it and say, "Oh, it's okay if you're doing that." I heard one guy say, "Yeah, we, you know, we have lots of people in the church. We we focus on selective sins to target, and um, you know, we we'll we'll protest and say we need to make this activity illegal." But but then you have people that lie in the church, and we think that's okay. Well, we don't think it's okay. We don't think lying is okay. Neither do we have seminars how to lie better, or how to deal with your lying so that you don't feel con- condemnation. You know, we don't we don't do that. We say if you're if you he that sins sin no more. And um, I heard a uh, on a podcast. I heard a, a debate, kind of a debate, concerning a law that the California state legislators legislation is trying to put into motion, and this, this law that they're trying to put into motion has identified a certain kind of aberrant behavior, and they're trying to, to make it illegal for pastors or teachers or counselors to say that that kind of behavior is sin. And um, so I heard this debate between a, a well-known pastor in California and a woman who is a theologian at a seminary in the East Coast, she was taking the stand that, you know, we, we shouldn't tell anyone that they're sinning because if you do that, that brings condemnation and the potential suicide. And the pastor was saying, you know, where does this stop? You know, if the Bible says this is a sin, we cannot be silent. Now, we love the sinner, but we can't condone the sin. And this was a really interesting debate that was going on in this national podcast, and they finally ran out of time. And I was—I didn't know what to be more surprised by. I didn't know whether I should be surprised by the fact that there is a legislative body that's trying to tell pastors and teachers and counselors that they cannot label a certain thing that's wrong a sin, or whether it was interesting to hear a uh, a tenured professor at a well-known seminary tried to tell a pastor on the front line that you can't preach the bible anymore even if you do it with all the love that you possibly can muster i didn't know which was more surprising and so there are some that would look at this parable and they would say oh in fact i read two commentaries just to see what was out there about this passage. And they said, what Jesus is really saying here is that the young man who took his inheritance and went out and spent it, Jesus is saying that we should all just say that's okay. And uh, because he gave him a robe and a new ring and new shoes and welcomed him back in, the real culprit here is the older son. And I'm thinking, it was it was really a very colorful and a flowery exposition that this these writers were saying, and I thought, you know, the the real point of this parable is what is said in Luke 15 uh, when the elder son comes back from the field, and in verse 31 of Luke 15 it says. The father said to his older son, "Son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is thine. All that I have is yours." That's the key to this whole to this whole passage. And that's the key that God has put in my heart so strongly for our for our network for for our church for us as individuals this is the apex of existence this is what god has given to us as sons god is all we are always to be with god notice it doesn't say i am i am always with you it says you are ever with me it's, it's not a debate is whether God's with us. God is always with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always around. Uh, He's omnipresent. The issue is, do you realize that you are always with me and that all I have is yours? This is the principle of sonship. This is the principle of grace and supplication. This is the principle of what Samuel was told by God Last week in our message, uh, when, when God said, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me. What God wants for us is to walk with him, for us to not be asking, oh, God, come, oh, God, do this, oh, God, do this. He's already with us. It's not a question of God coming. It's a, it's a question of you going, you being, you entering in. And that's, that's what the father says to this older brother. And really, all that all that I have is thine. That's our promise. And you know, I, I look around this congregation of ours, and yeah, there are a lot of things that that each of us would like to have. Um, there are a lot of things that, that each of us would have on our, our list of things we'd like to, to to accrue. But for the most part, every one of you is blessed abundantly. I mean, I look, I look and see the blessing of the Lord poured out on you. And I see the tragedies and the, the issues that so many of people of the world deal with. And God has poured out His goodness to all of us. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. But the most valuable thing in all the universe, is the fact that God said, come to me and know me and be with me. Come up hither and commune with me. Let me tell you what I want to do and let me give you authority to represent me and all that I have is at your disposal. We don't lack anything. Uh, we just need to obey. and this is this is the heart of this entire passage. Now, the young man that went to his father, basically what he was saying is, "I'm done with this partnership. You know, I, I vision I envisioned this father and his two sons like, you know, forgive me for this, but some of you don't have never seen this show because you're too young to know the riches of this, but it kind of reminds me of Bonanza. You know, you have Ben Cartwright, and you have all the boys, and they've got this massive ranch in Nevada, and, you know, it belongs to all of them. It belongs to all of them. There's no question who the dad is, but it belongs to all of them. And I see this this guy, and he's got two sons, and they live there. It's not. Th- it's not that it's the fathers and you guys just, come and beg and scrape I mean all that I have is thine you're all together you're you are with me and this younger boy said I don't want that I don't want this relationship where I'm with you and I don't want to have to share anything with you I went out of this and off he went and um the other brother was there, but he was just as distant from this, from this promise in, in verse 31 as the younger brother was, arguably. I mean, he was, uh, it says that he was working, he was laboring, he was diligent. And I was talking to the worship team earlier, and I referenced the fact that in verse 25 it says the elder son was in the field. He was out working. And a field there is where we get our word agriculture, but it's agro. And Noah says, "So he was aggravated." And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> I think we can be in the fields of the Lord and be aggravated. And and he we are ever with Him, and and we're really laboring together with God. We are joint heirs with Christ at this point, and it's it's something that we need to recognize is not is not a duty. It's not a um, some kind of a labor that's on our shoulders. It's it's our existence. It's who God made us to be, and we live that here. We have the opportunity to come and and know Him. Uh, you, I, you are ever with me. That the opportunity to come and seek the heart of the Father is there. It's an individual pursuit and really all that all that is god's he's made available for us to do the father's business to do the business of the family the business of the kingdom and um that's that's the essence of this whole thing so on the one hand you've got this kid who says that's it i've had it i want my own stuff i don't I don't, for whatever reason, people do that for whatever reason, who knows what was going on within his head? Who knows what he, and, uh, what he uh, uh, engendered in his thinking, what lusts or what iniquities were raising up to him? And I've noticed that in these days, I want to tell you how the very elect can be deceived. There's, in every one of us, there's the opportunity for some kind of iniquity or some kind of a long-standing drive that we want to have fulfilled the enemy knows how to scratch that itch with your ear and he or not with your ear but he can scratch you <laughs> give me your ear i want to scratch an itch on somebody <laughs> that's right you've uncovered a hidden mystery of the word <laughs> oh wait ears on backwards <laughs> look at that guy <laughs> anyway um but but you know you you see this and and sometimes you know iniquity is not some necessarily some sin iniquity is is a twisting a perversion of your purpose and and you know you you find you find that going and something happened in this younger boy who knows what it was um but he he decided he wanted to go off and you see what he did. Uh, you know you can you can you can uh, hypothesize as to what what all he did. He hung out in a lot of brothels. Um, he uh, well, I won't go on there. You can read it for yourself. Let the scripture speak for itself. But he did things that were probably indicative of things that he he didn't keep under control, and. Um, but the older brother is out in the field. He's, he's laboring. He's faithful. But I can tell you that you can be faithful in the work of the Lord and lose sight of the vitality of why you're out there. I can tell you that. I mean, and there are examples of that. I think that's, that's, what, that's what contributed to Moses' challenge at the rock second visit to the rock. That's what contributed to Elijah's issues. And um, so I've, I felt very strongly, and I said I wasn't going to preach long, and I really am done, um, that this verse is something that God's been speaking a lot to me. And, you know, there are a lot of other extrapolations of things that are happening right now in our world and throughout a lot of different corners of of who we are. But I would just ask all of us to consider the words of the father to this son who was still laboring in the father's business. Um, We need to go before him and thank him for the privilege of having access to him all the time. To, to really thank Him from the depth of who we are for the privilege to have Him ever approachable. And that is a privilege. You know, and we've labored to try to discover that. You know, I think one of the challenges we faced here is that when God began to impart this calling to us, he did so with such an outpouring. There were two things. There were two factors. Number one, he was saturating the ground as he was sowing this into us. And, and he was putting around us all kinds of things so we, we couldn't miss the calling. The other factor of it was is that it was all new. It was all new to us. And so we were feeling things for the first time. We were having things come active for the first time and that is unique in itself and um, but then after a while it became apparent that god wasn't going to overwhelm us all the time that he showed us the way to him he showed us how to press into him and and the the concept of god hiding his face is not some monumental epoch kind of a thing. It's all the time. You know, it's very rarely now. You know, God will come and speak to me. God will come and say things. And it's wonderful to have that. those kinds of visitations. But when I come to pray, I can't rely on that. I have to quiet myself. I have to wait upon the Lord. And sometimes it takes a while for me to break through all the crust of stuff that I've been doing and I've been thinking and I've been working on and all the issues that, and we all face those things. After for a, Sometimes it takes a while. God's not making himself with a billboard size face that lights up in divine neon. I mean, here I am, come. You'd get tired of that too. It's amazing. But we've got to we've got to know that it's our prerogative to be with him. come unto me, the Bible says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. There are lots of those verses they may not be underlined, but they're in there and so I think for us um, we've been we've been just given the privilege of being overwhelmed by this identity. And uh, as a word to the elder sons, it's this, you are ever with me. We need to cherish that and thank him for it. And with that, as has been said in so many ways, I, I don't want to footnote all the words that have already been said today, but again, God is speaking through multiple voices. It's what 1 Corinthians says he would do, but there is provision. This is the provision of partnership. This is the provision of, of, uh, of supplication in God, and all that he has is, is available. We are working with him. We're seeking first his kingdom and his righteous vision, and all these things are added to us. And it's, it's our Father's way and i would say we need to thank him for that and believe in this time and i would also say that if there you should be sensitive today this isn't this isn't the main thing and i, I, I because, and, and whenever i say this it can become the main thing so don't let it become the main thing the things i've said already are the main thing but but i do believe that god is wanting to show himself strong on behalf of each one of us, in a really unusual and a unique, and a um, a very um, philanthropic way, if I can say that, there's some benevolence. There's some thing that God's going to do in each one of our lives, and on behalf of, on behalf of His work, that He's going to pour in to show how much He loves you, to demonstrate in one way how much he loves you now you feel his love this isn't you know god doesn't buy can't buy me love that was in the old hymnal Uh, everybody tells us so so but but the point is is that there's 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 something that god's going to be doing to demonstrate to you this measure of provision that is going to be readily available in in the season that we're we're coming into, he's provided for us bountifully bountifully for now, but some of the things that he's going to lay before us in partnership of grace are going to be um, really astounding, and we're going to have to we're going to have to know that all that he has is ours, and and we're partnering together with him, so the lesson for us is as sons. Is to thank him for both of these things and repent of any aggravation that we have, uh, that we have entertained in in our lives, or weariness and well doing. So, what I want to offer to all of us is this: um, before we leave here this morning, I want each of us to spend whatever amount of time you want, but make it meaningful. Uh, you Some people could spend an hour and not make it meaningful. So just make sure you make it meaningful. And thank the Lord for what verse 31 says. Thank the Heavenly Father. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, people say, well, how could, uh, for what verse 31 says, how could this young younger brother come back and there wasn't any, I told you so, you know, you've got to show yourself, you know, I'm not just going to welcome you back in. You, you've you got to prove that you're really sincere. You know, those are things that we would all think, you know, you know, to go out in the back porch with dad and he's going to lovingly tell you what for. You don't see any of that. And why? It's not that he was, the father was just being just blind to what went on. That's not the issue. The issue of this story is sons being where the father wants them to be, doing his work. And so what the father gave him were representations of partnership. Isn't that true? You've got a robe that identifies. You've got a ring that gives a signet authority. You've got shoes that represent you going and, and to standing and doing what needs to be done. The father gave to him back that privilege of sonship. That's the essence of this story. And that's, you know, that's up to the father. I found out a long time ago, father's got a lot of odd children. It's not my job to to say, why is that guy that way? (laughs) You know, even though I think it. It's the father's thing. You can't, you, you know, you can't separate blood. You know, you just can't do that, and um, so it's best to just know the father and recognize that what God gave us was a robe. He gave us his ring. He gave us shoes. He gave us that position in his in his family business. To know him and to operate on behalf of the kingdom. That's what the father wants for all of us. And that was what was given to that boy. Notice the father didn't give him a bag of gold. The father didn't give him a new chariot. The father didn't give him, you know, uh, a, a swanky apartment up on the hillside so he can continue with his lascivious behaviors. The father only gave him the things that would empower him to be a son again. Isn't that true? And that's the story. That's what this is. So once again, what was the difference? You know, the, the, the older son who was out in the field wasn't probably doing as much as, you know, wasn't doing any more than the, the younger son. Um, and so I, I think, and again, I end now. I think God wants us to recognize this morning what he really has given to each of us, and it is a privilege. And we need to be circumspect in our lives to see, uh, am I cherishing this, this in the way that I should? Because it is the greatest gift that could ever be given to anyone. This is why Jesus came to give his life so that we might know the Father in this way and um we need to really first of all thank god for it but know that this capacity of knowing the father and representing all that he has is going to be exponentially magnified in the days that are coming because as grace comes this is this is what um this is what's going to be needed and i will say this one final thing i when I was praying, I remembered one time we had a class in Peace Chapel, and I had a, um, or maybe it was right up here. I can't remember where it was. Uh, and I had this big white board, and I drew these circles. And I said, you know, God told me that he is perfecting us, and the end result is he's going to get to the very center of who we as a body are. And when we get there, then we will really know the vitality of what it is that he's that th- he's doing through us. And and I I think you know the thing about grace is that sometimes we we've taught this and it's true. Grace is a new horizon. Grace is overcoming grace is seeing great victories. <clears throat> but More importantly than those victories are the work of grace that's going on in us that's preparing us for that new horizon. And that's the most important thing to God, what's going on in us in the tasks of grace. It's not the victory that's ahead of us. It's the victory that's within us. And so there are things that God has been trying to perfect in us for 20 years now. And, um, I think that he's got to the seed he's, he's getting, well, if he's not at it, he's pretty close. And, um, this issue of grace is in a nutshell, what we've just read here in verse 31 of Luke 15. Um, we draw near to him and all that he has is ours because it's his. And, um, I'm thankful. And I know that you are too. So before we leave here today, and then again, tonight, we're going to use that second part uh, as we come out to pray on this uh, parat's night um, for breakthrough for uh, what God wants to do. Uh, We're in his field. And uh, it's it's a great thing. But before we leave here today, let's Find a place you can sit where you are. You can lay down, and and just express from your heart a thanks to the Father for having access to Him. You are ever with Me, and give Him thanks for the way that He is availing to us the riches of Christ Jesus in in His glory, uh, because that's a, that's an amazing gift. And for days now, this has just been resonating within me. And I know it's a word not only for me, but for all of us. So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, first of all, on behalf of this apostolic mission that you've given to all of us. What is your message when you go out to places? It's that Jesus came so that we might be born again, and redeemed to our Father and that we might know him till we might know our Father just as Jesus prayed in all of those red letters in the middle of the book of John and that we might walk with him hear from him and um, to share with him and to represent him in grace that's the message every teaching that we give supports that message and empowers that message and instructs concerning that message and that is that is what you're trying to offer to people around the world you want sons to come before your throne of grace so i thank you for that for what it means to us as individuals and um, i pray that you will help us to represent you in this and that we will truly cherish and savor this tremendous gift from you and help us to do a better job of representing this in our own lives and in presenting this to those that you have made hungry who are looking for your truth and and father I thank you for this and now As each of your people, both here in this house and throughout the nations, begin to express their appreciation to you for this, um, I pray that you will receive these words, these expressions, as the offering of love that they really are. And um, I thank you, Father. We do love you. And um, we ask all of this with great anticipation in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.